0: Welcome to the Dad Work Podcast. My name is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of Dad Work. My guest today is Adam Brewer. And this is a funny one because I initially came across Adam when I was looking for a name for this entire project for Dad Work. And one of the first things that came to mind was Conscious Dads. I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what we want to do. We want to be more conscious. We want to be more aware. We want to be more mindful. And I looked it up, and it was like, dang, the domain is taken. And oh, hold on. There's something on here. So I looked at this website, and it was this Conscious Dads website. And I was like, oh, man, this is amazing. So I've actually had Adam on my mind for for months now, uh, ever since I started this project. So we go deep on this conversation, talking about Adam's intense transition into fatherhood, including the breakdown he suffered and how he got through it stronger than ever, How Adam took action to rebuild trust and relationship with his partner after this breakdown. Surrendering to change and fatherhood as a man who tries to control everything around him. Why sharing your story and speaking your truth are so transformative and healing. Healing perfectionist tendencies and the nice guy syndrome. Practical tools and practices for soulful self-care and finding calm. How to provide your kids with mindfulness tools that will serve them for a lifetime without being overbearing. Why Adam and I do this work because it's infinitely harder to be Zen as a parent and Adam's Pillars for Living as a Conscious Dad. Adam Brewer is a spiritual parenting coach for new dads and dads-to-be, desiring a framework to be calm, present, and co-creative with their kids. His work is an integration of spirit, science, and psychology. He's been an entrepreneur in the health and fitness industry for 25-plus years and has worn the hats of conscious evolution coach, meditation guide, breathwork coach, yoga instructor, and mind-body fitness specialist. Professionally speaking, he's the creator of Conscious Dads, 3-Minute Meditations, Meditate With Ease, and Sunrise Sweat. Adam has spent the better part of the last 20 years diving into the best in personal development, self-help, conscious evolution, and spirituality. And for the last five years, his focus has been on applying all of this to parenting. He's run the experiments on his own life and has found an integrated formula which serves to awaken you to your authentic self. It works if you work it. And he loves sharing it with others. Adam lives in Los Angeles with his partner, Liz, their four-year-old son, Sky, and their two dogs, Nalu and Faith. You can find Adam Brewer at ConsciousDads.com and on social, ConsciousDads. Let's dive into this one. This is extremely fun. This really, really landed with me. And the way Adam speaks about all this is so easy to connect with, and it's so well-spoken that this was just so much fun, and I hope you'll enjoy it too. Just a quick reminder, if you are enjoying this podcast, I ask, please, would you do me a favor and leave a review on Apple? My goal for this is to reach as many fathers as possible because I think we change the world one father at a time through healing and passing those healings on to our children. If you are on Apple, could you please pause this, go to Apple podcasts, scroll down in the dad work podcast, hit ratings and reviews and leave a review. It just takes a moment and I would be extremely grateful. Finally, if you are not signed up for our free 14-day email series called Better Man, Better Dad, I invite you to join. It's a free 14-day course. You'll get emails sent to your inbox every day for 14 days, and it's basically all the tools, practices, tips I've used to take my life 180 degrees in a different direction. I used to be angry, miserable. I really didn't know what I was doing as a father or a partner or even a man. And I suffered big time. And so I have spent the last eight plus years, many, many, many thousands of dollars and many, many thousands of hours doing this work. And I've taken all the best things that worked for me and I broke them down into this email series. If you would like that over the next 14 days, sent to your inbox, go to dad.com. Dot work. That's our website. Type it into your browser, dad.work. There's a form on there to simply add your name and your email, and I will send that to you right away. With all that being said, it's time for this amazing conversation with Adam Brewer of Conscious Dads. I am here with Adam of Conscious Dads, and Adam I was telling you beforehand, the first time I came across you was when I was looking for a domain name for my own project, DadWork. I was like, what do I want to be doing here? Conscious dads, that sounds amazing. And I typed it in and it was like, dang, it's taken. And I came across you and I was like, oh, actually, this guy's got some cool stuff to say. Like, that's great. I'm glad this is taken. And so I am pumped to have you on here because, man, your story, I can't wait to dive into it because from what you shared uh, online on your site it's insane and absolutely powerful. So thank you and welcome.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. And um, I likewise, I'm so pleased that you're doing the work you're doing. And there's so many similarities in our approaches and philosophies and ways of looking at this thing we call parenthood. So it's a real thrill to uh, have made this connection and have this opportunity to chat today.
0: Totally. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. I would love to start actually with your journey. Um, It's one of my favorite things to do is just like, here's your journey through fatherhood, because as men see uh, things that they relate to in other men, it can help to sort of relieve the feeling of uniqueness or specialness or only I suffer this way. And I think your story is profound and powerful. So would you walk us through sort of your life, maybe very quickly up to when you found out you're going to become a dad and then sort of the series of events that led you to today? Because I relate to having a very difficult time and yet here we both are. You know, this, I think ultimately, and this is a little bit of a, um, you know, forward looking, it's a message of hope. And that's one thing I love to talk about on this show is just like, you can get through whatever the hell you're going through. So would you just walk us through your journey of becoming a father? Absolutely. Um, yes, it's, it's been
1: quite a journey. It's a non-traditional route, I would say. And, um, without going into all the details of everything, the the short of it is most of my life, I had zero interest in being a father. It was not something that was on my radar in any way, shape or form. And um, what was on my radar was a journey of self-discovery, of exploring conscious evolution and kind of trying to unravel The mysteries of science and spirit. And that began, that journey began for me around 2003. And I just went into a deep dive, and that came from, I would say, uh, pain. I was experiencing a lot of stress and confusion at that time of my life. I was 33 at the time in 2003. And I just was like, I know there's something more here, more to me, more to life. And I'm so curious. And so I took a deep dive into those areas. And so this this whole evolutionary arc of intentional spiritual discovery, spiritual practice started in 2003. I believe we're all on a spiritual path throughout our entire life. It's just um, we sometimes do it a little more intentionally. And so that intentional path started around 2003. And that... It took lots of different iterations. And there was a point actually from like around 2003 to 2010 that I did like what I called seven years in Tibet in LA, where I literally took a deep dive and I basically renounced pleasure of all forms and just went hardcore into meditation, contemplation, introspection, and really trying to cultivate peace of mind. And that had its blessings and its curses. And One of those curses was I believe I just found that I was I was lacking human connection because I believe that's ultimately one of the main reasons we're here on this planet is to connect with others and to share our gifts and to work together in cooperation and collaboration. And that was markedly missing from that that window of time that I did this deep dive into um, contemplation, introspection, and meditation. And so I kind of found a soul cry happening. And that happened around 2010. It, it turned me on to some teachers that were were more about the expression of joy and celebration in life and, and kind of guiding us in the direction that, that life is basically just in a state of celebration at all times. And it's waiting for us to kind of come into alignment with that. And it just wants to give us more and more of that. So I, I dove into those types of teachings, and I just I just started to love this idea of, of conscious evolution. And I I was at a point where even though I was like out of the phase of wanting to go on my own on this journey, I still had that mindset that I want this to be the rest of my life, and I believe that anything that comes into my world that could potentially take me out of that is is going to be a distraction. And that included partners. It included the idea of a family. I was like, no way I want to go into this stuff. And I was, I was really enjoying it. Um, but Life, I believe, had other plans for me. And so part of my spiritual journey, if you will, or path into this conscious, intentional conscious path was a a conversation with spirit, if you will, with life, basically just saying, I want to know my true life's purpose, come what may, right? And so it wasn't like, not what I want to cognize as my plan, but what is meant for me. And so I, I opened myself up to saying, take me where you will life. And I want to go there. And so as it turns out, that took me to jumping ahead now to around 2017. And I met an amazing woman, my partner, Liz. And what originally brought us together of all things was that a mutual friend had connected us. We had very similar interests, but a mutual friend had connected us because she thought or knew, thought she knew that neither one of us wanted children. And so we were like, oh, awesome. I'll, I, and she was like, do you want me to set you guys up? She's like a matchmaker. And I, we were like, sure, let's do it. And so we both came to the table with that kind of understanding. Jump forward without getting all the details. Within four months of our relationship, we found out she was pregnant. And that was a, a shocker to I think to both of us certainly but I'm just saying my side of the story and it rocked my world because as, as I had said up to this point the, the thought of, of a child in my life um, and that lifetime commitment to a child and understanding that it's no small task and it, it's not something it's not like you just have a child in one hand religion in the other if you're that type of person or work it's like this is the real deal man and and i come to believe and try to share this with fathers it's it's the ultimate job you will ever have and perhaps the most important thing we can do on this planet um if you choose this this path of of being a father and so um it rocked my world and it caused me to have so many questions and and part of that was i believe an existential crisis i was just like what do i do in this space this is not what i envisioned um but perhaps it was what was meant for me because for all along as i said the spiritual path i said Show me my purpose. Show me my purpose. I was asking the big questions. What's trying to emerge through me right now? And and come what may. And I think if sometimes what I've learned over the years is if you're not truly in alignment with your soul's purpose, sometimes a cataclysmic event comes along to reorient you to your true life's purpose. And it may be a rough ride, right? And mine was a rough ride. And so these these. Existential questions led me to experience unbelievable anxiety, tremendous depression. And this is while, again, while, while my partner, Liz, was, was pregnant. And that, that combination of the anxiety, the depression led me to insomnia. And I'm not talking like just a little bit of lack of sleep as I shared on my website. We're talking about two months of, of no sleep. And you go more than two weeks without sleep and you're in big, 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 big trouble. And in fact, you know, sleep deprivation is often used, I believe in wartime, sadly as a torture. And, um, what ended up happening is I I completely lost my mind because I, you can't go without sleep for two months and, and hope to keep uh, yourself on track. And I lost it. I completely had a mental, physical, emotional, spiritual breakdown. And, um, it rocked my world. And so I ultimately had to take time away and, and went back with family, uh, ended up needing to be checked into, I mean, this is an extreme story, need to be checked into a psych ward for like two weeks, because I was literally out of my mind. And it's just it was a journey to recover for this. So that whole path that that time going away um, from from Liz, from the experience, I was away from Liz for three months during during her pregnancy. And that's a big, big deal. And really we had just been getting to know each other. So it that's a lot to ask of any human being. And so um you know the challenges that were there not only for myself obviously but for her during this time were were unbelievable to to say, is this going to work? How is this what's this going to look like? Because one I had to recover. And in that recovery though, interestingly enough, somewhere at some point, I think I share this in the story, as I was on the road to recovery, I was on my mom, in my mom's kitchen. It was like I just had this light bulb moment. And it was called an awakening, I guess, if you will. But it just hit me that everything that I had been running from was really what I was being drawn to and that perhaps, as I've already kind of said, the most noble thing a man can do in this lifetime is to be a conscious, loving, present father to a child or children and i was like this is what i'm meant to do on this planet and here i go and i don't know what this is going to look like yet i don't even know if i'm going to be in this child's life yet cuz i said this was like on the road to recovery before i had even come back to la to try to to mend the fence with uh, mend defense with liz but i was like regardless of how it's going to look i do know that i will be that for my child. And I'm going to throw my heart and soul into this this role that, that I thought I would never have in this lifetime. And so it just began a journey back into it. And then um, that's kind of, again, it's kind of a, a long answer to a short question, I guess, but Um, that's kind of the path and it's non-traditional, but it's, it's led me to basically, I really believe my life's calling and something that, that brought us together. Right. And for me, it was the creation of conscious dads, which came a little bit down the road and just like a child that continues to evolve and take shape. And it's like, it's, it's learning to walk. It's, it's all of these things that we're doing and it's, it's, it's an ebb and a flow. And I love that, that I'm staying open and adaptable because Frankly, that's what, what life is, but that's what fatherhood is. It's a willingness to just keep uh, reinventing yourself and adapting and, and realizing that it's, just, it's really the ultimate spiritual practice uh, on many, many levels. Because I, I thought I had it dialed in as a single human being, and uh, this is like to a whole other level, <laughs> and it's the most magical thing you can do.
0: Yeah, and I love that you said that it was like a spiritual journey because that's um, one thing that I love. Dan Doty was on the podcast, I think episode 10, and he you know, often talks about fatherhood as a spiritual practice. And it's like, until you're there, you don't know the depths of feeling, of love, of awareness, of existential angst sometimes that you get just from being a father. And I mean, I think every father, like you said, and every person on this earth is indeed on their own spiritual journey. But if you can have that conscious mindset as a dad, like you're saying the conscious dads if you get that and really tap into that and sit with it man it can be profound there's so much you can get just from understanding and sitting with that and so thank you for mentioning that because man i love i love that take Mm. spirituality as this as this fatherhood container and I have like three or four questions here about the story you just told and the first one I want to ask is why do you think it was so hard to understand that you were going to become a father when you're like you know come what may I'm open to all these things what was it that you were still like "Uh uh-uh not fatherhood anything but that Do, do you know like why that was the case for you
1: uh ego I think is a lot of things I like control and i I, i've always kind of been that way i like things in boxes and i think i knew in my heart of heart that this was going to be the furthest thing from that this potential of of trying to take in what is this being which is probably as connected to spirit that will ever be in this little form coming onto this planet that is meant to just like be ever changing and adapting. And really that's our essence. It's like nature itself. Uh, but the thought of, of, of having to let go of control and and jumping and diving into the no, unknown wholeheartedly scared the living bejeebers out of me. I was just like, no way, man. That's just not where I want to go. So I think I was bumping up against my ego and feeling like I could put life into a framework when in reality you can't it's just it's something that is uncontrollable in that way as much as we as as these human beings want to try to to do that it's it's not really possible and so the ego was strong in me and you know there are other things that go back into my own childhood you know it, it was like there was shame involved there was guilt involved when I say shame meaning like because I was raised Roman Catholic and by the way I'm recovering Rome, I'm a re- recovering Roman Catholic these days but I was raised Roman Catholic and the idea of having a child out of wedlock was just like oh my gosh this doesn't happen you can't do this you're you basically you've sinned and you're going to hell and that was still somewhere in my subconscious that take. And so there was that side of me that always wanted to be that perfect little being, Um, even into my adult life that I was carrying through and it was rising up within me. And I didn't even know it was still present. Even after all this work I had done to try to let go of some of that baggage, it was deeply ingrained. So there was some of that. And as, as I mentioned, also just the, the commitment thing, um, of the idea of this is because I take everything I was going to I was going to say seriously but I don't know if that's the right word reverentially like things that I get into I really try to to give it my all and I knew that this was the ultimate because it was a lifetime and and this was going to be something that I had no idea about whatsoever and I would have to tap back into what I would refer to as a beginner's mind and humble myself And say, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And that was also kind of scary to me because I had kind of, as I said, it was almost like this false sense of like, wow, I've made it. I figured all this stuff out with all this spiritual explanation. But there was the ego that was in place and not allowing me to see, no, 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 it's ever evolving, every single one of us. And it's that constant return to that beginner's mind every single day, whether you're single or whether you're a parent that is so important in our lives. And I had forgotten that, I had forgotten that. And here it was right in my face that I must begin again and be a beginner and, and grow and learn and evolve. And so it was a beautiful reminder because I, I just, I think life gives us what we need.
0: Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. And isn't it funny how, you know, you can be so spiritual, you can be on this path of spirit and you can be looking for things and you can be really like feeling great about yourself and meditate for years. And then all of a sudden you just get like smacked upside the head with this, like, are you really surrendered? (laughs) Are you really ready for life? And like, I've experienced that. And I wonder if this is true for you too, where I was doing all of the spiritual things. I was meditating so that I could do breath work, so that I could journal, so that I could do, you know, whatever it was. And I was like, I am so good at doing spiritual stuff. And it wasn't until uh, earlier this year, actually, I got like, you know, I got a a two by four in my own head going like, man, you've never just sat with it. Mm. You were never just being in that moment. And it was like this, Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was like totally trying to control this journey rather than just sit and be. So does that ring true for you and your journey as well?
1: Most certainly, because it is, it's that, that dynamic dance between doing and being right. It's, and the embodiment of the practices, it's, it's essential. And absolutely. I was so glad you brought that up because I found that to be true as well. And it's like, it's going to continually, you like you said, the lessons will keep coming and, and you'll just have to figure out where that is for you. Where is that, the dance between the doing and the being? And each of us is going to, it's going to come in different ways. Sometimes it'll happen in aha moments and sometimes it's, it's a, a slow um, piece by piece experience for each of us. And um, so yeah, I love that concept. It's really, really it.
0: Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Um, what does your partner feel about all this? Is she like super pumped about being conscious mom now? Like she (laughs) probably very much appreciates the fact that you are conscious rather than unconscious, but what does that uh, relationship look like these days?
1: Yeah, that's a great question too. It's, it's an ever evolving, beautiful thing. And it's like, I can't, I can't imagine, um, a more understanding person through this process because they're, they're it's that's a tall task to ask anyone when you you've really just kind of gotten to know somebody and you don't even have a lot of one personal history with them but even know the full history of this being and in the person is like as it relates to having a child um saying i don't want any of it to the point where they're having a complete breakdown to then allow for a level of forgiveness, right of themselves, of the person to at least allow space and an opening for the possibility that this person could be in my life on purpose, right? And I may have even called this in that there's there's this And she is that person who allowed for the space to be held, where it's like saying, "I am not going to judge the external right here in this exact moment." Yes, there are feelings around it, attendant feelings. There has to be. You wouldn't be human if there weren't those moments of like, "Whoa, what am I? What have I gotten myself into here?" But to also then say, "I am open at the top," and I, she is one of these really spiritual persons, uh, people on this planet, and I learn from her daily, and, and I hope you know, on some level she learns from me as well, but just that level of forgiveness. Cause I think that's important for all of us in our lives to forgive ourselves, to forgive others. Um, because as one of my spiritual teachers once said, it's like the lack of lack of forgiveness is perhaps one of the greatest forms of self imprisonment you can experience on this planet. And that came from Michael Bernard Beckwith. And I was just like, Whoa, and it hit me hard when I heard it, and I had to really sit with that kind of thing. And um, she's that kind of person, and I had to do some deep forgiveness work as well. And I and I believe when you really do that with yourself and with other beings, anything is possible. And and our relationship is is proof of that. And so our relationship is. It's a good one. And it's it's like somehow through the chaos, it's like we were meant to be in the situation as stewards for this child. And, you know, we both in general really think along very similar lines in terms of parenting style. But if one of us kind of gets off, the other one seems to be there to kind of balance it out in that moment in, in both directions. And we're there to remind each other of, of the mission and intention and what we're trying to do, because I know that's not always the case in relationships, especially when people go on kind of spiritual journeys or explorations into self-discovery. Oftentimes it's one person has a, a certain view and it's really polar opposite of what the other. And when you have those conflicting things related to rearing children, I think it can be a real challenge and we're blessed to not have that.
0: Mm, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And could you go just a little bit in depth on like what that repair looked like? So you come back from being uh, in a psych ward, I think you said, yeah. and you're sort of feeling better and you make this decision. You're going to be an amazing dad. How did you go about repairing and building trust after that?
1: Through action. Um, that's the first thing I could say, because I knew that words wouldn't matter because what had been seen, it's certainly I was saying certain things but it was more about the doing. And so it was just showing up for, for Liz in this case in whatever ways I could in terms of being helpful. And, um, Letting her see firsthand, not here, but letting her see that I was serious about this this intention and this idea that I wanted to be this this conscious father. So it would just you know if if we needed a kid seat a child seat, I would go and get it and bring it to her. And it just those kind of s- simple and seemingly meaningless things, but saying I'll figure out how to do this and I'm going to get it to you. I'm going to make sure we have all of these things and and and. Just be as present physically as I possibly could be, and um, and be as supportive as I could, and also honor the fact that she's going to have moments, right, where there's going to be a, a wall of sorts, right. There's going to be this like, is this for real, you know, and to allow those feelings, right, to not try to say. I'm going to make this happen. So it was a combination, again, of being and doing in this, in this exact moment, too. I had to do certain things, but also had to be willing to honor um, the emotions that were there and the questions that, that had to be present and do my best to answer them whenever they were asked of me. And then again, just to simply show through, through my doing this that I was very serious about the experience.
0: Mm, That is so hard to do to to balance the doing and the being when you are trying to not get something, but almost have this reciprocal relationship and be okay with it not being reciprocal. And it's like being okay to have needs and express needs and not expecting them to be met. And it sounds like that's sort of the tightrope walk that you did, because I hear a lot of men who are like, I have needs, I'm going to tell my wife, partner, girlfriend, whatever. And then like, I've sort of made these needs be known and I'm being very respectful about it, but then like get angry when they're not met for and sure. be like, oh, like a little boy energy almost. So yes. I love to hear that sort of uh, letting go. Like you're just gonna show up because you probably knew from the sounds of it that you're like, this doesn't look great on me. And like, that's fine. And I'm very you know, grateful that she's here for me still, but I gotta like put in the work and then let go. Is that sort it. Of how I felt?
1: Absolutely. Because I, I believe that's a way about most things, right? It's somehow it's like, the idea of having fewer expectations of an outcome, right? It's just put the energy into space and somehow found, find the letting go energy, the, the allowing it to do what it's going to do. Because it's the old saying that, you know, where there's willfulness, there are walls and where there's willingness or surrender or availability, there are ways. And it's staying in that space that um, out of no ways, ways are made. As long as you stay in an expansive space, because the more we try to force things into life, it's a constrictive, contracted energy. And it's, the, it's typically the polar opposite of the way life is working. And the more we can like, just put our best foot forward, coming from the most aligned intention, and then let go of that and the expectation, it's going to go where it's meant to go. And then it's a level of trust. And it's a level of faith that you will be right where you're meant to be doing what you're doing with whom you're meant to be doing it in each and every given moment of our lifetime.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Man, this just feels so good. I feel super aligned with you right now. Uh, Can you give us a little bit of um, just a story about how you felt after you shared this? Because like putting Mm -hmm. something up on a blog, sharing it with other people, this is an example of shining light on your shadow and in my experience sitting in men's groups doing my own shadow work when you can Put these things in the light that you might feel shame about, that you have repressed in some way. It is, it feels like the scariest thing you could possibly do. And it's like ripping off a band-aid, You're like, I don't know if I can do this. And then you share. And it's just like, in my experience, at least usually relief, especially if it can be held in a container of nonjudgmental men or, or people in your life. So did that feel relieving to you to share? What was that journey like?
1: It was scary. There's no doubt about it. And it was one of those situations where if I get honest, initially it was it was a little overwhelming because I there's a part of me that had the imposter syndrome. I was like, man, I'm a fraud. You know, you wanted to have That that judgment, that little critic, that inner critic on the side was like, you spent all these years doing all this work and you just literally melted down. When push came to shove, you completely fell apart. All the scaffolding came crumbling down and you're going to seem – Weak, that's what my mindset was in that there was that side of it You're gonna seem weak and it's just like no one's gonna trust you any longer So all of these thoughts were in in the back of my mind somewhere. But again, that's that's that limited self that small self uh, That perhaps wounded self that was always worried about someone else's judgment rather than what was true to my soul and what was true to my soul and I believe was a part of my personal healing journey, not everybody's going to do this, was to potentially, as you just said, come from a place of, if I can share my story, if I help one person out there who may have experienced something like this, it's worth it. And that was then the driving force to go, there was something inside that said, I have to risk it all if you will, and just bring this to light. Because if I don't, and I try to continue to pretend to have it all together, it's going to come back to bite me in the butt, right? That is the truth in general with all of our shadow stuff that's going on. The more we can bring it to light, the more we have the potential to heal and the energy becomes more expansive. And so I knew that because this was something that was so big, it had to be brought to the table. And, um, so, and so I did share, but I was nervous. I mean, there's no doubt about it. If I told you otherwise, I, I would be inauthentic. And I was just like, it's kind of like you, you have that um, that moment of like, okay, I just hit send or I just hit publish. And I was like, should I have done that? Um, and, and that, that was real. And, but I was like, here we go. This is a whole new path for me. And part of this new path was an honesty, was a truth to, of, to myself, as well as to my partner, Liz, and to anyone in my life, to the, to the best of my ability, I wanted you to not just see me physically in the stories you might read here, but to, to know what's going on, and, and behind the scenes, perhaps. And, and from that place of vulnerability and authenticity, there can be a great strength. And it was amazing, too, as I did that. I mean, I cannot tell you how much support I got when I first put those things out there. And it was, it was uh, awe-inspiring to me to just, just waves of people going like, thank you so much for sharing what you just shared. Um, just a reminder, as you said, that we're all human. And we're all in this together, and we're all going to make mistakes. Making mistakes is is a beautiful thing, in fact, because it's like we just have an opportunity—one to just honor what we've been through, but see it as this this potential portal or pathway to something brand new that we've never experienced before. And for me, it was that going back to that connection that was so missing through those years of that deep work. I was thought I was doing on myself, and all the doing, if you will, the lack of connection that was there. Here it was, right? I was like saying, I reveal myself. And then all of a sudden, this flood of support came in. And it was like life through other beings was saying, thank you. Thank you for being who you are in this moment and allowing us to witness you fully. And I just had to trust the process. I had to trust the process. And yeah, there were, you know, certain people that were like, Well oh my God, how did this happen? Blah, 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 blah. But that's always going to be the case, no matter what happens. And so you just have to trust that you're on the right path. And and so I did. And it's that opportunity I hope to share with others that, again, hope is always a possibility. No matter where we are, how far we've fallen, especially if you're willing to, um, to open your heart.
0: Yeah, yeah. And this sort of reminds me of just my own journey is, you know, posting something on Instagram for the first time. I was like, "Eh, who am I? You know, what does this matter? Does anybody actually care? And you know, I'm going to look like a failure. And for me, like this perfectionism has been rampant in my life. And it, it ties into this nice guy syndrome, which it sounds like, you know, we probably relate on where if I can present this perfect exterior, then people will like me. Because obviously, if I'm not perfect, people are going to be like, wow, you're worthless, you're unlovable, whatever. This is just a story that's created in my head from childhood myself. And so you become this like needing to be perfect on the outside. And if there's like this crack or something that's not there, then you will lose the love. And there's nothing more scary than losing love and acceptance and being ostracized. And it sounds like this was probably part of your journey as well. So do you relate to the sort of nice guy needing to be loved? And did this sort of all come crashing down at the same time? Like, was the nice guy thing and the perfectionism thing part of this journey? Or did you do work on that separately?
1: I would say both. So it was definitely a part of this particular chapter of my life. But it was something I was, I think I was aware of as I was in the earlier stages of the the self-discovery. I was aware that it was there, but I wasn't fully ready to honor that and and recognize it as a part of my being. And so I think life just kept knocking, right? Just kept knocking as it always does. And eventually it gets louder and louder and says, there's stuff here that you're not really fully committing to. And this was that. It was that watershed moment where it was like, whoa, man, absolutely. It's the, the crack is now there and it's broken open and the need for perfectionism, the, the need to be loved, uh, you know, to have the validation from others coming, that stuff has to be brought to the table so ultimately you can find that within yourself and, and recognize that's the most important thing you can ever find really is that willingness to just be yourself fully.
0: Yeah, and I would like to recommend for anyone listening who does struggle with perfectionism or what they call nice guy syndrome, uh, Dr. Robert Glover has an excellent book um, related to The Nice Guy, No More Mr. Nice Guy. So that is uh, one that I have used with great success to sort of help myself navigate these waters of needing other people to to love me in ways that are inauthentic. I would love to now talk about sort of what you're doing today. You are helping dads. You are sort of a mindfulness meditation um teacher guide and so i would love to get into like some practices like practical ways that guys can deal with stress anxiety anger maybe learn how to introspect and do some of the work um that you do with yourself and with other men so are there some very foundational practices maybe just start there like if a man is interested in doing any of this work what sort of things would you recommend he do to slow down or embody or start to sort of be with the practice like we were talking about?
1: Yeah, there are a number of what I would call soulful self care tools that men can start to incorporate. And perhaps two or three of the most powerful ones. One is breath work, intentional breath work, conscious breathing. Because it's, it's essential to be able to navigate the waters of life, one, but just parenthood in general, so that we can learn to, to self-regulate. That's something that a lot of men have never really learned to do. It's like an energy rises up in the reptilian brain, and we just want to bark. We just want to explode. And no one ever really, at least speaking personally, ever taught me how to say pause, Let's just take a few light, slow, deep breaths in this moment and allow that to move through your body. And if we can do that and learn some very practical, basic breathing patterns, we can control our heart rate, which will ultimately shift the brain waves. And we move from the subconscious, reptilian, animalistic reflex or reaction to different areas of the brain where now we're in the prefrontal cortex. Now we're operating in the alpha brainwave. Now we can be calm, cool, and collected and look at it through a lens of what are the thoughts, words, and actions which may come forth in this moment going to do? Are they either going to be expansive energy or are they going to be contracted energy? And then from that space, just that learning to to pause with our breath can have a tremendous result in men's lives, especially as it relates to our children. Because I believe it was like, uh, I can't remember the exact source of it, but somebody said, listen, your children are not trying to give you a hard time. They're having a hard time. And part of that is saying like, There's so much going on within their being and they haven't even yet learned to remotely self-regulate And so they're just in a space of like an internal tsunami We have as adults had that opportunity Right through life years on the planet to hopefully develop some of those skills And we if we learn things like breath work conscious breathing, which is something I teach men You can be that that grounding force for your child when they're in their storm. And so that we don't add to it. Because if we are not able to calm ourselves personally, that's what the real work is. And that's how our children are ultimately master teachers. They're giving us an opportunity to grow ourselves. So we have that chance to actually say, okay, right now I'm going to share my ability to be calm with my child. And that's called co-regulation. And so that ultimately they can learn, by example, how to self-regulate And so that's like one of those roles as a father, which is essential. So breath work is one thing, some conscious breathing. And starting with just, you know, again, there's right now in that that arena of breath work, there's a lot out there. And there's a lot of good stuff, but a lot of it is just like it's pumped up. Big breath work, uh, classes and exercises where people are having altered state experiences. And there's a time and a place for that. But it doesn't necessarily serve us in the moment of when our child is having their issues or challenges. What can happen are just some really simple what they call coherent breathing practices where, again, most of it is done through the nostrils when you do this. But you just take a light, slow, deep inhale to a four, five or six count And then you take a light, slow, deep exhale, four, five, six, matching. It's called even count. Whatever you do on the inhale, you do on the exhale. You try to breathe into your belly, diaphragmatic. And those some of those simple things of breathing through the nose, of slowing it down, of expanding the abdomen through the diaphragm, help to activate what's called the vagus nerve. And this vagus nerve has this calming effect on our body. Right? It sends us into this rest and digest state so that we can actually be that, that calm presence. And so just learning basic things like coherent breathing. Um, some people call it conscious breathing, even count breathing, vital. Um, I love cold immersion is another tool. And I'm not even necessarily talking ice bath. Ice baths can be amazing. I do that stuff. But simply just learning to just get in cold water in your shower can have tremendous effects on learning to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, because that again is fathering parenting in a nutshell. It's like, you're going to be taken outside of your comfort zones every day, if not every minute of your experience with your children. And so the more comfortable we can get in uncomfortable situations, the better. And part of getting used to cold water, um, is that idea? Because what happens when we first experience? You can't hide, and no matter how long you've had experience with cold immersion, we all have the same reaction: pupils dilate, breathing gets rapid and shallow. It's up in the chest. It's like whoa, whoa, whoa! You just know, like we go into fight or flight. But as we're in that, the more we practice conscious breathing in those scenarios and focus on the exhalation, because exhalation is correlated with relaxation, and we learn that it's about slowing down and drawing out the you can self-regulate in that experience that, that moment where it's like here i am cold is like woo this is it and learning to be okay in that space that translates as well in addition it has it's like this cascade of a release of what they call happy hormones which come in. And so things kick in, which if you have any proclivities towards mood starting to drop, you're going to find yourself being more motivated, more driven, more inspired, um, just happier overall because of things like serotonin and dopamine and epinephrine, norepinephrine. And it's just like those two tools are something that I think uh, we, I definitely help with and can be very valuable. A third is meditation is right up there with all that and all meditative practices that I encourage fathers to do and share with fathers always begin with conscious breath work because again, it just, it sets the right wave, lets your heart come into a place of coherence with that wave, and allows you to kind of quiet what they refer to as the monkey mind much more easily than if you just try to sit still. Uh, from a busy day or from a, just an argument you may have had with your, 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 your significant other or your child. And so it, they kind of all meld together, frankly. But those are three of the, the primary tools that I like to utilize. And there's so many other ones.
0: Yeah, those are all fantastic. And you're speaking my language, man. Like all of these ones I do myself. And it sort of goes back to the idea that, I mean, like part of this practice for me, part of this project for me is helping men understand that to become a better father you have to do the work on yourself yes because no amount of like parenting styles no amount of strategies are going to work when you're dysregulated that's right and so making sure that your own nervous system is going to be calm and slow will allow you to do like whatever tactics or strategies you're going to do but it starts with you it Always starts with you. And so getting these personal self-care practices is not selfish at all. It's selfless when you're a father and these are three amazing ones and I love that you said co-regulation because that is vital for fathers to know that if you're dysregulated and you're coming to your kid with screaming yelling big energy and then you get upset two or three years later when they're five six seven whatever and they're yelling back at you well where do you think they learned that that's how your nervous system taught theirs and so to co-regulate for calm children which again goes to so many positive outcomes later in life You have to do this work for yourself. So thank you for giving those three. And I mean, do you have any other thoughts on how to do this with your kids, how to teach them things? Because like, you know, I've done everything from sitting with meditation with my kids, teaching them how to breathe. And, you know, I I don't like being overbearing, but I want to give them tools. So what are your thoughts on like bringing all of this to your children to give them the tactics and the tools to use in moments of dysregulation?
1: Yeah. One is, is like you just said, is lead by example right? So that you ultimately are doing it on the daily. So they recognize that that's a part of, of your process, right? And, and then if you become that calm presence in their life, eventually they're going to just tune into it because kids learn through imitation, as, as you just were basically saying, just in a slightly different way. They learn through imitation, It's mirror neurons. And so they're just going to take on that. And occasionally I'll be meditating as example, and, and Sky, my son will, will come in the room. And rather than, right, just being like, no, this is dad's time to meditate, just invite him in, right? And it's, it's don't be like, oh, no, no, I, I just got taken out of my meditation, which is like the way a lot of people approach this stuff. It's like, no, this is, this is your meditation right here with, with your son coming in the room, Adam. And so the, the opportunity right here is to just sit calmly and just, say, hey, do you want to be with me for a moment? And, and he'll do it occasionally. He'll just sit. He sits with me and he's learned he just like brings his little hands into prayer position. He may do it for five seconds. And it, because again, there's and then he walks out of the room. But it's my job not to get disappointed if he leaves the room. Just allow him to just witness it and be like, oh, okay, cool. That is just going to continue for a few more moments and then i go back to my thing and that was my that was my meditation that day and it was a gift i just gave him right by one not reacting initially through the interruption it's not even an interruption through his appearance in my life And then secondarily, when he was ready to go, allow him to go. Don't try to handcuff him and say, you have to do this. That is the surest way to get your child to run the other direction, whether it's any of these these self-care practices or anything else you're doing. These are free spirits. These are sovereign beings who want to experience a level of autonomy and they deserve that. And so, That is also, as you just said, part of our job as the parent to do the work on ourselves so we can recognize when we want to almost put the shackle on the child and say, no, no, now sit here. You don't want to be longer than five seconds? What what is that? No, be free. And same kind of thing with breathing things. You know, it's like in the moment, occasionally, I will even say, I'm like, you know, dad is gonna take a deep breath. Do you want to do you want to breathe with me for a moment? And he'll he'll do it. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Again, I don't have an expectation that he should do it. But I want him to see me doing it, and I want him to see I, I even say it to him so he understands what I'm doing. And I said, "Then I'm gonna, then we'll talk about this." And then he'll see me coming from a different place versus in his face, right? Because To our nervous system, this big being—like, think that's another thing I try to get fathers to do is is as an exercise is like literally put yourself, when you're about to to explode on your child, put yourself in your child's shoes. If you had this big towering presence screaming at you in this deep voice, which to our nervous system signals threat, right? A, A low tone, resonant tone that often men's voices have, is a signal of threat. And so if we can actually, a tool is like, one, put yourself in your shoes. No one would like that. And you would be dysregulated. And then secondarily recognize, it's kind of like, it's like you talk to like this little pet that you would love. And as you speak in a kind of a sing-songy voice in a way that's slower, it incorporates more breaths, you're one, not only changing your own nervous system, but their nervous system is responding a totally different way when it's not coming from an evaluative or an evaluation space. Like I know what's right and you are wrong and saying, wait, let's be here together. So that, that kind of exercise can be really valuable for fathers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. I love just like getting a sense of being in their shoes. One of the things that I've started to do is, is kneeling down, even Mm -hmm. talking to them to get eye to eye so that it's not the power struggle. And, um, I heard before my third, my third is almost two. And I heard before he was born, someone say, and I, I wish I could remember the source. I'll try and look this up later, put in the show notes. But, uh, someone said, imagine that your child is like basically on psychedelics all the time because mm. that's just the way that their their brain is wired at this moment it's almost as though there's just dmt flowing all the time and i just went like holy smokes yeah i know how that feels yeah and it, you know what it would look like to me to feel safe in that in that scenario is like calm and slow and just like really enveloping them in softness And so when my third was born, it was a completely different experience than my first two when I didn't know any better. Mm. And man, like the the differences that I see in his nervous system and his comfort and his level of attachment, um, it just, you know, has made a world of difference. So that's one other tip is just like if you have an experience of that, if you know what that might feel like, imagine that like especially for little kids, they just can't like they're in this state of so blasted openness that everything is extreme. And one other resource I want to share with dads on this topic is on Insight Timer I've recorded a meditation that I came up with for uh actually getting in their shoes and not reacting in like an angry way because that was my biggest thing. I was angry, I was mean, I was scary and I've done a lot of repair work with that. But I started meditating on like okay, I'm going to meditate on what my kids do to trigger me. I'm going to have the most charitable idea of like why they might be doing that. I'm going to visualize myself then going through the motions of how I want to respond. And then it's just like, it creates these neural pathways where I finally started doing that in real life. Mm. And so if that's, you know, something that you struggle with, check it out on Insight Timer, I think just search dad work meditation. Um, but I wanted to just touch on this quote that you have on your site. And this is one of those things. And I said beforehand, before we were talking, I almost had like... Honestly, I almost had resentment for some of the guys in the space, the spiritual space who weren't fathers, who were saying things as though they knew how, you know, difficult this whole spiritual life can be. And I had huge judgment because I was like, man, you don't know what I'm talking about. But on your site, you say, in my experience, it's infinitely harder to be Zen when you're a parent as compared to when you're single. There are just way more moving pieces. And this lands so hard. That's why I wanted to do this because there's so much good men's work out there, but like men's work for dads like there's you and there's me and like there's not a lot of other guys there's a few really great ones but not enough because it is a whole other level so do you have any more thoughts about that um other than just like I just wanted to put it out there because it's like validating yeah. for dads yeah. like this is hard as shit man this is so hard especially to be doing it mindfully are there anything that comes up uh to sort of expand on that or do you just want to sit in that yeah you- no i love it one, thank you
1: for sharing it. I'm glad it resonated with you. I think that's, again, uh, why we're, we're connected today, that type of, of um, synergy and thought. But what comes to mind is it's interesting. This is, I think, one is perhaps one the most important job you will ever do, but the hardest job you will ever do. And as we said, the moving pieces are are always infinite, but when you're on your own, you can oftentimes control your environment. With the kids, it's a different story, and it's from that space. I guess where, where where what's coming to me right now is the idea that when you're on your own, if you're trying to, what a lot happens for a lot of men. I'm speaking specifically of myself right now. When you're pursuing excellence in whatever you're doing. You'll, you'll learn the framework of whatever it is you're trying to do. If it's athletics and you want to play tennis, there are certain things you have to do to play tennis. If if you are trying to become a decent at meditation or make that a regular practice, you have to study the craft, so to speak, to become proficient and to be excellent. Yes, you could wing it. Yes, you could just kind of go like, I'm going to figure it out as I go. Kind of like if I go to the gym, same kind of thing. You could walk into a gym with no, say, I'm going to get thin. That's my goal. I'm going to get fit and walk into a gym with no plan. Now, eventually, you'll probably figure some things out. But if somebody was to work with you and say, listen, there are basic fundamental elements which act as grounding philosophies for how you can get to that place of fitness more efficiently, more effectively, more proficiently with a level of confidence and competence. Fatherhood is really no different. And so somehow when it comes to this stuff, even though those of us who have experienced it now recognize the magnitude of of that which goes into this experience, if you want to be a conscious father and care about what's going on, very few are ever really taught the foundational elements of the types of things that we're talking about right? And so we've been socialized into the way it's always been. And that is that authoritative, punitive model, like father knows best and I'm going to do this kind of stuff. And so that's kind of what we're indoctrinated. And that's the default mode. If you do no work around this stuff, that's the default mode. And so as a father, when you want to thrust into this space where you will have curveballs thrown at you, like you've never even begun to understand you can become more zen if you have a guiding philosophy or, or framework from which to work. It's kind of like Tom – I'm going to use a sports analogy again. Tom Brady is like considered one of the best quarterbacks of all times. He still – Learns plays. He has a playbook. The at back in when he was with the, the Patriots, they had a way, a system of doing things. Once he's learned the system, he's then able to have audibles, left, right, and center. He can make things happen. He can adapt on the fly. But the only way that happens is having foundational pillars that are in place. And then Tom Brady can be Tom Brady, right? Or a pianist. Once they learn the scales, right, they can. Once they learn, that's then when the heart of the music starts to come and they can just create from from feeling and tone, but it has to have the scales there. And parenthood is kind of the same thing where you can have a general framework. And that's kind of what, what I do with conscious dads, give fathers this framework that allows them to recognize there are ways of, of, of setting the foundation in place so that when the storm starts to come, and it will, it won't feel as overwhelming as it can on a daily basis. And it's essential to be willing to say, okay, hold on. I got to school myself in this a little bit. And in particular, I try to encourage people to say, especially new dads or dads to be, it's, it's, it's vital because these first seven years, are essential to inputting belief systems, ways of thinking about life. And if you're all over the place, and there's a good chance you will be because we all are, your kid's not going to have any sense of these these abilities to feel loved, to feel secure, to feel safe, to be held in a space that they can fully express. You're going to have to play a lot of catch up after those first seven years. and You're going to do a lot of damage repair. And that's tough. And that can be years and years and years of work for the child. I once heard, I think it was like a, uh, a, uh, a Jesuit priest kind of jokingly say, you give me a child in the first seven years and you'll have a Jesuit for life. Because it's just like you just, you're ingraining their belief systems, their ways of being. And so if you, can, if you can pause, especially when your child's yet to be born. In my case, I had no plan until after my child was born. I was like, now I have to pursue excellence now I want to school myself. I want to study from those who are more knowledgeable than I am, who, who are kind of speaking this language that I'm speaking, and I want to learn from them. I want to learn the plays and the ways of being calm when it's needed and how to do that without the attachment of being perfect because we're all going to mess up. We're all going to have these storms. And so um, if you can do that and you can just set that up, you're, you're going to give yourself an opportunity Just set the game up to win. And again, I know it's a sports analogy, but that's something I come from. It's just my background in sports. And it's it's something that resonates with me and sometimes resonates with butterflies, not always. But um, because it's it's a challenge, this thing we call parenthood.
0: Thank you for all of that. And I'm I'm curious one last thing here. What are some of those fundamentals? Like what are the scales? that you teach fathers as pianists to you know learn the fundamentals and the basics so that they can then react um, in a way that's grounded to all the other curveballs coming at. Can you share maybe just a couple of those sure. with what you teach dads as a fundamental?
1: Sure. So one of which is in general that our children, when you when you think about it, we already said, they are master teachers, right? And, and, and they are as connected to what I'm going to call spirit, as perhaps we will ever be on this planet. they As they come onto this planet, they express love. They express uh, fluidity. They express curiosity. They express connection. And those things are our essence. And We have forgotten that on so many levels as we spend more years on the planet. Life happens, right? Stuff goes on and it gets layered on. And we think we're these beings that are meant to, like we said in the beginning of this, meant to be doing, 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 achieving, accomplishing, getting, acquiring, all of these things. And we've lost sight of some of the fundamental gifts of just being alive. And on so many levels, we we try to almost squash that in our children we try to train them to be a specific way when in reality they're basically they just don't have the words yet but they're almost going like what are you doing you know to us and if we can humble ourselves and realize that it's like as i said you know we're raising humans we're not training animals it's like let there be this this fluid collaboration between you and your child, where yes, there are certain things we're going to have to teach our child, but open yourself up to my God. This is a reflection. This child that has come into my life is a reflection for me in the mirror to say, where can I let go of some of my rigidity, some of my angularity? Where can I become more expansive? Where can I return to my essence and start to get back to the core of my beingness? So, One of those foundational principles is saying that, listen, our children are as much our teachers as we are theirs, right? And then from that space, I would say another thing that I try to help people understand or encourage fathers to do is, is recognize this is, as I said, this is a sacred responsibility. We are stewards of the future, of this planet. And so when I say it's a sacred, there's a reverence for this experience with my child and helping fathers to recognize that, as I said, this little being is divine, right? And from witnessing my child as a divine being, hopefully if I use that as a reflection, I see my own divinity. And this is where that self-work has to come in. I have to be able to look in the mirror first and foremost and see myself as this divine being. My God, there is like 50 trillion living cells inside my being. And in each one of those cells, I believe there are a hundred trillion atoms. There are more atoms in an individual cell than there are stars in the sky. The cosmos out there is right here when I look in the mirror, and if I can somehow get them to recognize this divinity, this interplay, and to begin to treat their child right with this this level of reverence and love that is worthy of a divine being, maybe I'll start to give it to myself, right? Maybe I'll start to give it to myself, and if I can do both of those things in concert, right, it just becomes this like this awe-inspired, jaw-dropping opportunity. And if if that can be at the back, right, the back of my consciousness when the storms go on, right, where I somehow through that that connection of the divinity of self and child, self and child, I learn to live in a space of awe and gratitude way more often. Awe and gratitude, one as a person, but two as a parent, because it's like, wow, look at this. Look at this opportunity I have right here, right now. And that as as a guiding light, awe and gratitude can literally transform your parenting experience. It takes work, it takes work, but you you have to start with a fundamental principle that this is not just this little being that is there to annoy you, aggravate you, break you from your schedules, take you out of your, your ways of being that make you happy. They are that, they are all those things and more. And it's just, it's just shape shifted, right? The energy is shape shifted. Now it's not me, it's we, and that's a significant jump in consciousness. And that's something for my own life that had to happen. And it was a part of the breakdown, the dissolution of the small self to become this bigger entity was the movement from me to we, and I get bigger and more expansive in in my capacity to love, my capacity to love self and others. I don't know if that's practical. It might be too esoteric and woo-woo, but that's what came to me right there.
0: Man, beautiful. I I really love that. There's so many things in there that I'm like, I think I've written about that. I thought about that. I love that. So yeah, we're completely aligned on so many things. And yeah, my my teachers, uh, my children, I should say, have been my biggest teachers. And I am so grateful for that because if you are looking for a spiritual path, man, you should have kids (laughs) because they trigger the shit out of you. And like that for me was where I found the areas of my life that needed fixing or healing or growing, it was only because they provided the spotlight. And yes, in the moment it's difficult, but man, am I grateful. Like you said, mm-hmm. the gratitude is enormous. The awe that this can exist, that I'm part of this life, that I'm part of this circle of life, but also this um, this long history of fathers and sons and daughters. And like, I am now part of the sacred, like you said, sacred institution, um, cosmic, like, oh my goodness, man, I'm just my heart, my mind right now are feeling totally blown open. Mm-hmm. And I just love sharing this space with you. So where can men find out more about these things. Where can they find the conscious principles uh, as part of the, the the pillars of living as a conscious dad? How can they work with you? Like give us give us the details where men can connect.
1: Absolutely. The same, the simplest is just to to check out the website consciousdads.com. Um the information is there. Uh, ways to reach out to me are there, you know, the Instagram, you can just follow me at consciousdads And, um, I, would also like, like you do, which I love what you do is you, you just connect dads to other sources and resources of just incredible information. And because I believe it's a collaboration and, and I love doing that for fathers as well. Just saying like, Hey man, if you want to learn more about like positive parenting principles, here's the person to go to and just in school yourself in this stuff and literally just don't be afraid to be growth centric as a father. Just keep learning, keep growing, keep expanding. And, and so that's where they can figure out where to do all that stuff on ConsciousDads.com. And at the very least, just reach out to me through that.
0: Beautiful. Okay, man, Adam, I am so grateful. This one feels real good. And I mean, real good. So thank Beautiful. you so much for spending the time. With
1: My me. pleasure. And thank you for taking the time to chat.
0: That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world. To find out more about everything that we talked about in the episode today, including show notes, resources, and links to subscribe, leave a review, work with us, go to dad.work/pod. That's D-A-D dot W-O-R-K slash P-O-D. Type that into your browser, just like a normal URL, dad.work slash pod. You'll find everything there you need to become a better